in a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. and welcome back to animation okay so final episode the final stretch of this new versus old discussion here i have only two more parts left for you and i, I guess i could say i'm saving the best for last but i don't want to discredit all the other guys i have on the show because they're just as good but um yeah the last but definitely not least let's go with that um brief updates before I get started on the show. The new Battle of the Coma, episode 4, is out on Anime3000.com. Please go and support that. I really want to, I really want that to get some views and some hits I want it to take off instead of just being stagnant. Um, let's see. I've recently acquired some new manga, some new purchases and that sort of thing, but um, I'll talk about new purchases the next time I do a solo podcast maybe on what I've been reading and watching. I've been reading a lot of new stuff and watching some new stuff as well, so just just wait. The next episode's going to be really rich. I'm actually planning a review, one thing I don't do uh, very often. So um, to get things started, uh, we can go with Anime 3000 first. I interviewed the owner and founder, Sean Russell, and uh, the community organizer, J.D. Banks, and uh, we talk about some changes and trends and what has shifted 
since new anime has taken over from the old. Uh, so, with that in mind, enjoy the show. Run! It's Godzilla! Welcome back from whatever break I might have had in my podcast. And this segment, I have the beautiful JD Banks. Oh, well, thank you very much. And the extremely beautiful Sean Russell. Oh, please shut up. <laughs> so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, of course, Sean Russell is my boss and owner of Anime 3000. And J.D. Banks, you are community organizer and staff writer as well. Um, did you guys want to plug anything? or? Uh, yeah, I want to plug um, um, Anime News Network. Because um, I'm just kidding. Anime 3000, of course. Visit um, anime3000.com because it's the business. So um, yeah, there you go. And you, JD, did you wanna? Anime 3000. Okay. Now I'm gonna feel like a complete tool because like Anime 3000 is best. Okay. Um. So today's topic for you guys, and I'm sure our listeners already know because I've done uh several segments on it already, is new anime versus old anime. And first, I want to ask you guys, each in turn, um, what do you think, for you, personally, is an old anime? Uh, why don't we start with you, JD? Well, um, actually, I'm kind of like a reformed like, anime fan, like, in a sense, if anybody knows me from like a year ago. Because um, I used to say, oh, I hate old anime. And, and I remember Daryl Surratt saying, what, what do you mean by that? But I was just like, now a year later, and I'm not as ignorant as before. Um, I actually like old anime. And and it's and in essence, actually a lot of anime that I've watched growing up um, is kind of old anime. It's like 90s-ish, if you want to consider that, and before. But I actually like old anime in the sense that it has some of them have better storytelling abilities. And then... Um, I like new anime because that's better animation. I am an artist, so I, I kind of connect with that part. But as, as a writer, I also connect with storytelling. And I feel like like new anime is more to – is even more soul, like to be sold than, than old anime. Old anime, is, I feel like you can – they're trying to actually connect and then sell you something. But I, I, I really like both of them, but they, for different reasons. All right, and uh, Sean, what 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 would you consider to be an an, an old anime, and what what do you like about it or dislike? Robotech, um, <laughs> I'd consider that to be old. No, and pretty much anything before Dragon Ball Z, in my mind is old, in the sense that newer anime fans probably probably would not want to watch it based on the merits of what JG, JD just said. It looks old. The character design is weird. It scares me. I want my new anime, so that that's what I would consider old. Me, I you know, it takes me a little while to get into the older stuff, only because there's so much to watch and so little time to watch it. So, you know, I'd prefer to watch what's newer and what's hip, so I can stay up with the trends. But I'm not against watching older shows. Uh, a few months back, I got into a baseball kick where I started to look at all of the older baseball shows. Um, I forget the name of it, but I believe it dealt with two twins. And if if anyone, if you know what I'm talking about, no? Um, maybe it was... I don't watch sports anime, but I'm thinking it's probably either Cross Game, Big Wind-Up, or... No. Uh, I think it was a Big Wind-Up. 
I'm not, I remember uh, touch touch. Me. I think it was touch. Oh, yeah, that sounds. That yeah, sounds. There you go. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was I pretty I much pretty much dug that, so I liked that. And there are a lot of other older anime that I really can get into. So it takes a lot for me to sit down and watch it, but from what I found, I dig it. And I want to watch Pat Labor too. So I've heard so much about that, the greatest anime of all time. So I have to see that just so I can have that reference in my head. So it sounds like our opinion of what consists of an old anime, and I say old with, of course, uh, quotation marks, um, because we're not describing the oldest anime like Black and White, Tetsujin 28, or Astro Boy. But to us, an older anime, I guess we can use that term, consists of something that was last generation maybe, or um, something that may have been beyond what the new kids, the new 14 and 15-year-olds who are watching Naruto and Bleach, uh, what they were what they may not have seen. Um, so we're talking maybe VHS or DVD era. Is that safe to say? Uh, yeah. V- yeah I would, VHS I would or DVD yeah. era. Well, I guess I guess te- I guess technically we're still in the DVD era. What I mean is the um, when DVD was first emerging on the scene. Yeah, I would say anything that came out before uh, before anime was extremely prevalent on on cable. So you're talking like Ninja Scroll or something? Yeah, Ninja yeah. Scroll. You know, those, along those lines. Yeah, along those lines. I'd say those those were the the last the last group of anime to come out that's considered old. And of course, you just can go backwards from there. So, um, are there any specific shows that you like, Sean, of of the old one? I mean, you mentioned Touch, uh, but there are there other shows that come to mind when you say, "Oh, I like this old show," or well, I mean, just a little, a little bit about my background in, in anime. I, I, pretty much came in during the Dragon Ball Z uh, era, I guess, or generation, if you, if you would describe it. Even though I'm a little up there in age, I didn't really get into it until that point. Then I kind of worked forward, Cowboy Bebop, so and so, and Yasha, going forward. Then at a certain point, you know, especially when I created Anime Three Thousand and. I started going back just so I can have a better grasp of what's out there. Gundam, um, I guess you can consider a show that I kind of enjoyed. The movies, the three movies, uh, I enjoyed that. I can't really say that I'm that big of an an old school fan, if you want to call it that. I really can't say, like, I'm not as passionate as a lot of people that I know about the older shows. I can't sit here and say and give you a diatribe of all the series that have come out by a particular creator of this type of era. I don't No, That's not me. But to answer your question, there, um, there's nothing that I'm really fond of. Most of the series that I'm really passionate about are from the newer generation. And JD, I know you're more of a, uh, a, a manga person. Um, so maybe we'll we'll throw manga in here in a, in just a little bit. But um, are there any shows in particular that you enjoy? You know, I guess the same question I gave Sean. You know, older anime that you enjoy. Well, yeah. Um, well, most of the anime that I watch that's considered older anime, or at least that we're defining as older anime right now, is like when I was in like tenth grade and before when I watched it. So some of the stuff is still a little foggy for me right now. But um, I mean, I do remember watching Ninja Scroll. <laughs> I know it's not very appropriate for an eighth grader to watch, um, but. Your parents were awesome. I just want to say that. Your parents let you <laughs> My brothers were awesome. We love that stuff. <laughs> and um and I thought it was cool, you know, it was 
cool like to me it was cool because it's you know fighting and killing oh my god you know back in the day you don't really understand as much but now i think about it in retrospect i thought i still think it's kind of cool but ninja school is cool and i like watching the early like really really early like street fighter series and episodes and movies like the really really early ones and i thought those were very interesting because i like the 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 animation because i thought the animation was fine and like i also like um I watched it in dub, so this is completely turn off for me because now I'm a sub person. But I watched it dub, and it was okay dub. But I thought that it, I could connect more with the story or what they were trying to say. And I don't know, Street Fighter is like you know fighting, but they're you know a little bit of can killer. Ryu, Ryu always seemed like more like the Broning type, like he was gonna going to tell you something. But I like you know just learning more about like these these stories. Like Street Fighter is still kind of in this generation right now but seeing it from you know late earlier in my life like it's completely different and it's very nostalgic yeah i I understand that but i really like the street fire series the early street fire series yeah i remember watching that as a kid though i wasn't in 10th grade i was much younger but i remember watching street fighter as well um yeah we're looking at like a good eight years ago for me (laughs) So, so yeah so let's see here um you know, you you brought up subs and dubs, and that's a that's a good thing. Does it matter? Um, does it make? How do I want to phrase this question? Like, watching an old show dubbed, does that make a difference if you're watching it subbed? Or, I mean, like for me, I'm watching Slayers again. I'm watching, or not again. I'm for the first time. I'm watching the original Slayers. I did a review for uh, Revolution. And it's up on the site now. If you guys or should be something, I don't remember. Is it on the site, Sean? I can't tell you. I don't think it is. Okay. Uh, I think I think because I watched um, Dragon Ball Z. This is my eighth grade stuff. I watched Dragon Ball Z up to the Freeze episodes until they kept rerunning it in English, and then I watched the rest of Dragon Ball Z in Spanish, and then I watched Dragon Ball GT in Japanese, and then yeah, I was watching a lot of stuff in different languages, and I think that having it dubbed or subbed is like I think it just depends on your preference or and how much you actually want to watch the show. Like I I really wanted to watch Dragon Ball Z regardless of what um what's called uh, language it was in. So I think it just depends on the person, really. No, I don't think it depends on the person. I think <laughs> old school anime dubbed is absolutely horrible. And let me tell you why. <laughs> the English dub houses or whatever you want to call them didn't get their act together until the early 2000s. And you can just go back and you can listen to some of the dubs that are out there. They're absolutely horrible. And I don't know why it took them so long to get their act together. So to answer your question, Josh, I think that the old school dubs, while they might have been good in their time, they cannot hold a candle to what they're doing now. So if you are going to look at the old school anime, you need to listen to it subbed and watch it subbed rather and the newer stuff you know you can take it as it is wow that was that sounded really passionate i was i know sure, yeah, i was like what i wasn't sure if he was trying to flame me for a second there or or, or flame bait me or something <laughs> sorry um so you you particularly sean feel that um it the shows are better subbed the older they get the older ones, yes. I mean, there are some examples you can find. Um, you can find a handful that are have a good have a good dub track, but the majority there are more horror stories from old school anime than there are newer shows. And the only reason I think that's the case is we had more production houses back in the day, so you had 
less consistency with the voice actors and the production of the of the tracks. Now you have one or two that produce the majority of the voice acting and then you have the same voice actors that do it time and time again and it's sort of like survival of the fittest the really good voice actors are the ones that tend to get the jobs so you have a more seasoned actor doing these roles and they're of course they're typecast so you have that heroic voice for all of the heroes and you have that annoying little cheaty voice for all of the the girls and you have that other voice for the other people and you get used to it your ear grows accustomed to it and there are a lot of examples out there kind of going into the midstream where the dubs are better than the subs but it's really on a case-by-case basis like i just had a marathon last night of and i love the voice of of i believe the character is the kiba or it's the blonde-haired friend yeah, that, that's Kiba. Kiba, yep. he, that is, I have to find out who the voice actor of that character is. It's like the best, I think that's my favorite anime voice actor, period. I'm, I was about to say human or non-human, American or <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> um, you know, and you brought up some very interesting points, and I, uh, I want to kind of see if I can turn the tables on you there. I just had this uh, amazing thought as you were saying that. Um, yeah, are there some bad dubs that are old? Yes, I, I agree. Um, but you mentioned consistency, and you said that back in um, when you had a bunch of houses, it wasn't very uh, consistent. And I want to turn the point is, is it so consistent nowadays that it's a bad thing? Like, now I hear Stephen Bloom in every third anime that's being dubbed, and I hear Johnny Bosch in the other two, and I hear Greg Ayers in every, you know, nine out of ten anime. Is it a bad thing? I mean... Don't those? I mean, I hear people complaining all the time. Like Johnny and Bosch is doing a Lelouch character again, and Steve Bloom is doing the same voice he's done since 1990 or 1793 or something. You know, he's he's been doing the same voice forever. It's like I'm Spike Siegel. Oh wait, or am I Tom? You can't tell because you can't see this TV screen right now. You know, so it becomes. Um, I think it becomes to or it comes to a point here where you say, "Man, I'm sick of hearing this guy." can I have a little bit of originality in my dub? Now, it doesn't, you know, it's because it's just become so consistent, Steve Bloom gets all of the quote-unquote badass characters, and you know, Johnny Young Bosch gets all those quote-unquote odd, kind of like moral ground characters sort of thing, you know what I mean? Um, what do you think, I'm, I'm just going to go to JD first, because I want to hear her, her thoughts. I think that the consistency, yeah, it kind of, really it starts becoming um almost like typecasting almost like you know Johnny Bosch gave me the hero voice and and everything and you know and then it kind of gets like monotonish like almost like oh it's the same thing over and over again and I and, and I like that Sean did did talk about how you know the consistency of it compared to now but um I also think that with with dubbing in general like I I I don't that's why I think that's why I like some of the older anime too is that you don't like know who the voices are you don't know them by my name some of them but um and now today you have like all these like uh professional dubbers like people that that you that voice actors that you you see at anime conventions and they know their names and and yeah you know that what they do but they do, if you can't branch it's like acting if you can't branch out of it like you really 
it doesn't really show your range and it kind of gets kind of boring. You just got typecast no matter what. So I think it, it really would be important for a voice actor to branch out of that, out of the same roles. But I think that also depends on how much anime is available for do, for them to do that or whoever's um, casting for that to, to actually do that, like branch out a little bit. So I don't know if that's just a voice actor or the people actually, actually casting for voice actors. You know, that is a good point, and I do want to um, be fair here and do mention that people like Johnny Young Bosch have done um, a, a slight difference in range, although I, I, I do stress the word slight. Like, you can listen to Adachi from Persona 4 and listen to Vash from Trigun, and you can uh, then listen to Lelouch, and yeah, you can tell it's the same voice actor. Is it the same voice? It's pretty damn close. But you look at Steve Bloom, and I can name, he's done Spike Siegel, Tom, you know, Mugen, that's the same voice. And then he's done Orochimaru, which sounds completely different. He's done Liron from Gurren Lagann, which is completely different. And then he's done... Uh, I think it was Gilamon from Digimon. Yes, I, I know a voice actor from Digimon. So I do want to give him a tiny bit of credit. He is branching out a tiny bit. I do mention tiny because the majority of his work is the same thing. Um, so anyway, go ahead, Sean. What, what, what was your rebuttal to my argument? I mean, seriously, people, let's just be realistic here. Hollywood is Hollywood is Hollywood. You only have a handful of stars and the rest are bit players. If everyone in anime voice acting had a role and you had 40 different people with consistent work, there would be no star power and there would be no convention circuits. People wouldn't care who voiced the characters. It would be more about the actual show than the celebrity of the person behind it. The anime, American anime industry, needs Johnny Young Bosch. They need Stephen Bloom. They need Brittany Karbowski. They need all of these voice actors to do all of these roles so that there's something to rally behind. There's something to be excited about when you go to these conventions because not everyone cares about the voice actor of Sephiroth. I mean... It's people want to be, be relate to someone that's like them. We need celebrity in the American anime industry, so we need these, these people to be consistently working. So to say that you're tired of hearing this person do this voice, I think that's absurd, and I think that's just nitpicking and looking for something to complain about because anime gets boring at times. So me personally, you know I love the fact that. I can count on two hands the amount of voice actors that I know that have consistent work. It sucks for everyone else trying to break into the industry, but when I listen to Soul Eater and I hear the I hear a voice actor that sounds just like Johnny Young Bosch, I wonder to myself, why didn't they just get Johnny Young Bosch? Okay, you know that is a that no that's a good point, and uh, I have to agree with you. Yeah, they there we definitely need star power, especially in this in this industry. Um, however. I, I would also want to point out like um, someone like a voice actor like Liam O'Brien, who has been in tons and tons and tons of games and tons and tons of anime, but yet he never quite sounds the same every time. Yeah, he kind of has like a, a voice that meets these type of characters, but then he also has a voice that meets these type of characters and these type of characters. And sometimes he merges them over, you know? He's almost like Chris Sabat, except be like good. You know what I mean? Not that, not that I hate Chris... N not that I hate Chris Sabat, but like Chris Sabat has just become such a, you know, yeah, you know, I, I love him because uh, he does Kuwabara and then he does Piccolo, you know, I love it. 
but at the same time, you like I look at Liam O'Brien. He's like one of my favorite English voice actors because I'm Gar of the Sand. And now I'm like, hmm, now I'm some random character from Kogia. You know, now, question what? for you. Yeah, sure. L- Liam O'Brien, he doesn't really do a lot of lead characters. Well, that is true. That so, is true. So is that, could... is, that the, is that the difference between him and a Johnny Young Bosch where he, Johnny Young Bosch is expected to do that voice? I'm pretty sure Johnny, he goes into a, a recording studio and he's like, all right, um, I'm going to try another voice. No, 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 no. We didn't hire you to do another voice. We want you to sound just like Vash. Okay. You know, I'm pretty sure they hired him for a very specific reason. We want that hero voice. Let's do the hero voice. Now, someone like Mike McFarland, he has the flexibility of doing more of a range because he plays ninja number four that gets killed. You know, he plays this person. He has to adjust the tone of his voice because he has to play multiple characters in the same episode. So that's the difference between a leading voice actor and a supporting voice actor. And I think you can't mix the two. You know, that's a good point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, JD. Well, it's kind of like the same with just acting. There's a difference between, you know, being a, winning the award and being a supporting actress you know it's like it of course you know there's going to have to be big players i understand that and that's a lot of how how to um that's a lot of getting the industry to be you know more important because you have celebrities in it suddenly but at at the same time and i guess this is more me speaking as an artist is that it's it's really like it's really annoying to hear like the same guy that's doing Seto Kaiba's voice from Yu-Gi-Oh doing another voice from another anime and then another anime, another anime. And I get really tired. Like it gets really irritating because it's like, I know there's more people out there. I don't, I honestly, I'm probably one of those people that don't care about voice actors, but at the same time, I can recognize them if I heard their voice. It, and but, it's like, not to interrupt you, but does it really bother you? Yeah, it really does, actually. If if it's the same, like, it's the same person. And it's kind of hard to break out, like, the first, like, the person I did Seto Kaiba's voice from Yu-Gi-Oh! Every time I heard his voice was something else, I always said, oh, that's Seto Kaiba, you know? Now, question for you. It's kind of hard to take away that. Did you like the show that you were watching? Yeah, I liked, I mean, I I watched a lot of anime. Yeah, I I liked the shows. It's just that it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a bad actress or like um, an, an actress like uh, I'm not gonna say who, but an actress who goes to different roles and she does the same thing. It kind of feels like that to me, and I'm like, I really, I I I appreciate that you're there, but I want to see like your real range and skill, and that's just me. Like that's probably just me being as an artist, being that nitpicky. Like like Tobey Maguire, he's an act, he's an actress who does the same thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've seen some older older ones of of his, and he's he definitely does a little bit of different stuff, but he doesn't have that much of a range. Or like Hillary Duff, who consequently has the same birthday as me, um, she does the same thing every time. She it's like Hillary Duff is Hillary Duff in this movie, this Hillary Duff yeah, movie. Yeah, she's always playing movie. a crossdresser. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I feel like with a lot of not a lot, but some of the voice actors, and and once they get into big role, you know, especially if they're a main character role. It's kind of hard for people to take take them if they don't change and change when they have to go to a different role. It's kind of hard for them to, for viewers to pull away that person. Like you know, I always think Seto Kaiba's voice is always Seto Kaiba's voice wherever anime he goes into. Right? I forgot the guy's name, but and it's hard for me to break out of that. Like, oh, I think you guys to come out bust out some cards on this other anime, and it's not true. And it's just like, ah, oh, I don't like this. But 
at the same time, like, I understand what you're saying, Sean, about some people not caring about the voice actors and not, not really connecting in that sense. So, yeah. Wow. This, this is, this is awesome. This is awesome. Okay. Um, now, now I, had I had a point, point and I completely forgot, forgot because you guys are making such great points. points. I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta count this one now. Um, but, but I think, think we're, we're kind of getting, getting off topic, topic just a tiny bit. bit. So, so I want to move it. I want to shift this back onto older anime. anime. Now, to, to reply to the conversation 20 minutes ago, um, Sean, you said also that the dubs, dubs are bad. bad. Now, that, that, may be, that, that may be true. Like, I'm, I'm listening to Slayers, and I'm saying, wow, this dub may not be the greatest, but some, because it's slightly bad, or because the show's dub may be completely bad, doesn't that add to the nostalgia factor? Like, like you, you watch, watch the show, and then, then you say, oh, man, this, this is horrible. And, and But you, you still smile every time you listen to it because, like, this is so bad, but I love it because it's bad. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't we all watch shows, shows like that? that or? I mean, it's it depends on the show. If you're watching a show and you're watching it, be, it's so good because it's awful. That's one thing. But if you're watching a show that's just awful and it's awful, then the dub – okay, here's, here's the litmus test. If you're watching a show and – you are distracted by the dub it has a bad dub if you're watching a show and you get lost in the show it's a good dub you shouldn't sit there and listen to it and say oh is that a is is, is that oh i highly disagree i'm going to interrupt you right there you're not even going to be allowed to finish that thought on my show um sorry that was rude no but i mean I'm watching. Now let me go back to Slayers. I'm watching Slayers. The dub. I have to say, I don't like it. I'm not gonna call it horrible because I know a lot of people like it. Actually, I'm gonna call it horrible. I want some feedback, even if it's hate mail. It's not a very good dub by any means. But I love the show. I'm watching the show and I'm able to enjoy it. But I, if I stop and and listen to the voices, yes, I can get absorbed into the show and just completely ignore the voices. But if all of a sudden I start listening to what they're actually saying in the dialogue, I go, Oh, Lord, no. You know, I just, I just, it's not a very good dub. Now, I love the show, but I mean, like, even Dragon Ball Z. I will argue that Dragon Ball Z is a good show. Why is it a good show? Because it's nostalgic to me. Does it have a good dub? Yeah, see, no one wants to answer that. So. No, to answer counter, your counter, you are talking about two different things. I'm talking about a good and bad dub. I'm not talking about a good or bad show. Now, well, you based, said that, up, based oh. on what you just said, you said Slayers is a good show. You can get into it, you enjoy it, but every now and then you stop and you listen to the dub and you're like, oh my god, this is awful. Now, the point that I was making was if you have to stop and be distracted by the dub, it is a bad dub, not bad series or show. And I think if you listen back to what I said, I did not say it was a bad show. I said, oh, no, no. I wasn't saying it was a bad show. I agree with you. I agree so, with you. So, if you listen to a show and you don't really have anything to say about the dub, that is a successful dub. Um, no, I highly disagree because there are plenty of uh, dubs where I could just say, eh, that doesn't mean it was good. You know, like... Let's oh, go hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, we're dealing with... With, I'm using my words very carefully. I did not say good. I said successful. Okay, okay. Successful Le in the sense that it did its job of moving the story forward. So, if I understand you correctly, now I'm going to twist your words against you. 
successful does not equal good? Is that what I'm hearing? Hmm. Now we're just splitting hairs here. Anyway, okay, so uh, thank you, Spock, uh, for, I mean, Sean, for uh, making that point. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, I think so, that Sean does, I think that the original point that Sean made, I think it's, a, I, I think that addressing the fact that a dub is, you know, it's the voice acting, but the voice acting brings the life to characters. And if you can't bring the life to characters, then the show kind of doesn't go that well. Like, it doesn't go as well as if the characters were, you know, real, you know, almost so real that you connect with them, relate to them, be like, hey, I want to get to know you kind of thing. And but also there's the factor that it's old versus new, older versus newer anime. And yeah, it was, you know, and technology has gone up so much that, you know, and putting older anime into the same um, context as present anime is kind of different in in a sense. But I, I understand that it. It really does, like, when I do hear, like, old anime, and I don't really like watching dubs as much anymore, but hearing hearing it does remind me, even if it's Spanish or in English, like, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I remember this show. I remember Imagine Night Ray Earth on the Telemundo channel. Like, oh, my God, this is so funny. And it doesn't distract me. Like, it doesn't really distract me that much in the dub, the quality of it or, or whatever, as long as I can, you know, get – if the if the actors you know if they have a resolve behind it and they can they can sound you know well enough for me to understand then I'm fine with it you know I think that putting older anime to the same context as newer anime though I think that's a little harsh because of course we have different technology and we have a different industry like the industry's not that different but I mean like the fact that we have professionals now in it it's 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 completely different it's completely hard to to compare in the first place that's a good point but I want to I want to say like yeah it is and it's not fair to hold something that was made back in the 90s where they didn't have the same microphones or drawing whatever they didn't have the same technology to make that show as good as they could one today that that's true so I think it's safe to say by default a newer show generally speaking is going to be better animated than an older one just due to technology or something now that's not that's not that's not no, it's okay. It's not 100% true because there are a lot of shows back in the heyday that had bigger budgets than shows nowadays. That's really, you know, that's that that's just plain true. But I'm saying, generally speaking, you grab a good, well-budgeted show new that's new versus a one that's old, and you can say, hmm, I think this new one looks a little shinier or something. But what is not to not I'm um, not to play um, not to play Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino here, but what does that have to do? With the voice acting. Oh, I was moving away from voice acting. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. No, no, so, okay. so, the, so the the shiny the shiny newness newness of of the new anime is definitely light years ahead of the old series. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. I honestly wouldn't say that. I feel like because there wasn't that much technology back in the day, people had to try harder and actually use their talent to get things across. Like a lot of times things were probably made handmade more so than they are now in animation. And then also voice actors, you didn't have like auto tune till recently. So it's like, um, they probably had to learn how to even out their voice or something. So I feel like back in the day they had more talent and they had to work a little harder and, and I, and to make that happen versus now where you have all this technology where you don't have to work as hard. You just have to have more creativity. So, so I think it's a little di bit different. 
So you're saying like older shows because people had to work harder. It felt like you had a higher production value than this new stuff, where it's just like they throw it through the machine and it gets done. Well, I'm just saying like now, like you can just come up with something, and if you get the right crew together and whatnot, you can just throw it together. Whereas back in the day, you couldn't just throw it together. You had to actually have some somewhere a talent team and reach like the caliber that we have nowadays. So I feel like. I think that's probably part of the nostalgia factor that there's a lot of hard work and work that went into an anime back in the day. It wasn't just something that you could just decide to do versus, you know, just making Naruto series. Like, I mean, that's a completely different mindset than, you know, watching something like Golden Boy or something, you know? I would, so, I would argue with you. I would say that the fact that they had to work so much harder led to more cutting corners for certain series. No, no, no. You, you, you misunderstand, my good sir. Working harder means they, they did not cut the corner. No, they took... I'm saying the fact that they had to work harder, you had more series that cut corners than you would have had today where you don't have to cut those corners because it's so easy to do. Now, you have a few series where they did it the right way, but for every four series that did it the right way, I'm sure you had 15 that didn't. But then you're kind of sacrificing a little bit of... I know you're talking about quality here, but at the same time, nowadays, it's not—it's almost effortless. So you don't have to try as hard to get something out there. And you don't have to really invest as much as you did back in the day to, to make something happen. I feel like now, like, uh, I feel like back, I feel like now you don't have to know anything, really. Just, you just have to be able to, like, no. do, okay, know, I'm do gonna, things on the computer. I'm going to disagree with you. You have to learn you, where you had 14 people doing this job that only one person does now, that one person has to know those 14 different things. So where you had a team of people that had a huge knowledge base, now you have to have individuals have to who have to learn more. But for the purposes of the production, it's less work in the sense that it's less of a workforce to put together a product, but it's not less work for the individual that's making up for that lack of a workforce. Hmm... You know what? Um, this is really, really um, deep, I guess. Um, and and what I, I don't mean like whew, I've been moved, although I have. Um, <laughs> I well, guess. What can I'm... I say something really quick? Like, yes, yes, please. John, just to be a, an example, and I know this is not like exactly anime, but let's say um, manga, for instance, since I'm a manga person. Like, when I had to draw things back when I first started watching anime, when it first started becoming popular. Um, I had to hand draw everything. I had to ink everything myself. Now I can just do it on a computer. And it doesn't take me as long. And I don't even have to work as hard to do that. You know, and, and I feel like animation and doing these these um, different things for for anime series, it feels it's, – it's like art. Like it's like doing something like that. But now that we have all this technology, I don't feel like I, – I, when I do something on a computer, when I'm drawing something on the computer, I don't need to think. I don't have to think about how am I going to wet this and not make sure the paper doesn't curl at the same time and then scan it in this like I did back in the day versus now where I, I just do it. Okay. I can just do it. Now let me bring up this point. Now let's look at a six-year, year, seven year old who – that did the old process now get them to do it on the computer is it as easy for them to do it no it, it it's it's not i can tell you for sure it's not because it's not, not. so you're you're <laughs> looking at your specific example but not everyone is as young as you so to say that it's easier as a blanketed statement that's not true that's easier for you because you are a part you are a digital native 
but a lot of people aren't. So if the industry is moving in that direction as a whole, the majority of the industry didn't get younger. So it is, you, some could argue that it is now harder for a lot of artists to adapt to this new way of doing things. They could argue that, and I just and I want to wrap this conversation up because I want to move on to uh, another thing. Not to disregard any thoughts by both of you guys. I think you both have made very good points. Um, but I'm gonna. It's my my show. I'm gonna make the final word. Um, what I'm saying, uh, what I'm gonna say is that the people who have been making anime for a very long time, ha- who have been doing the hand drawn, have been do- have have had a harder time getting used to this new techno stuff. That is true. However, people like Miyazaki still does everything by hand despite having all the technology around him. Now, does that mean Miyazaki's new Ponyo or some of Miyazaki's new stuff it still has that same seal of, you know, that of quality that the older stuff had? I dare say no. I would not, you know, I won't even watch Ponyo because I it doesn't look it doesn't appeal to me any in any manner. Now, yes, it's a children's show, but I mean so it wasn't a lot of the other stuff I've watched. Now, look at Princess Mononoke, and I say, you know what? That show looks kind of childish, and it may be very whimsical, and that I'm, I'm okay with that. Same with Ponyo, but, you know, this looks different. This is older Miyazaki, and this is good Miyazaki compared to the same production value, pretty much, but not as appealing. So, with that, um, I want to go on to... Um, man, just so much. I guess we can, um, I want to do a little bit of a comparison. Actually, no. There was a point I did want to bring up. And, um, that is the series of Mecha shows. Oh, I know. Everyone's sighing. But this is a prime case of new versus old. Okay? And you, and, and I don't think people really pay attention to this besides the hardcore Mecha fans. And in this case, I do feel that the newer stuff kind of sucks. In general. Look at the older stuff, like Old Gundam. Zeta, the original Gundam, um, and then compare it to something like... uh, Does it start with a C? I wasn't going to say that, but okay. Now, let's... Actually, I was. Okay, um, so let's compare old Gundam to new Gundam, just for kicks and giggles. Does it hold up? I dare say yes. However, let's look at um, something that's completely... In uh, I gotta think of a different mecha show than Code Geass. Like Godanner. Um, you guys haven't seen Godanner, have you? Well, Godanner is an excellent, excellent show. I want to tell you, I just barely started it, and it's a mecha show, except it's hidden behind lots of etchy and boobies, which is fine. But I'm just saying, like, let's compare something like what's an older mecha, show? like Guy King. I watched some of the old Guy King, and uh, you know what? I loved it. Why? Because it was kind of old and cheesy and, yeah, like any for any other reason that someone loves super robot shows. However, Godanner, I love for the same reason. So what's my point in bringing all this up? Yeah, even though that Majinger is old, or sorry, not Majinger, bleh, even though Guy King is old, or the original anime was, not Legend of Daikumaru, but it was a remake, um, even though the original was old, I was able to enjoy it. Now, I haven't seen all of it, so I can't really pass Final Judgment, and I haven't seen all of Godanner, so I can't pass Final Judgment. But I can easily say, both these shows are silly, and I like them. I can also go and say, Macross 7. I've also started watching Macross 7, and that is an extremely silly show. And then, like, let's look at Gurren Lagann. 
Now, are the mech designs from older shows like Macross 7 as good as the ones like in Gurren Lagann? Um, I typically prefer the ones in Gurren Lagann because I think they're a little bit, you know, that's more my type of robot. I never liked the Macross robots a whole lot, so maybe that's a little bit unfair. But what I'm saying is like old mecha design versus new mecha design. Sean, I think part of the reason you didn't want me to bring up Code Geass, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, is because a lot of people just pick on the mechas and say, oh, the mechas are on roller skates or something, you know, oh, it's so queer, and look, all, the, all these pretty boys. I mean, like, Gundam Double Zero had the same thing. In fact, if I, if I were to compare old Gundam to new Gundam, and I said, okay, let's do Zeta and Zero, Zero does not hold up at all. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are mad at me, but I'm going to go back to Wing and say Wing does not hold up at all to the original Gundam. Why? Well, because it sucked. But, and I, I say the Wing sucked, not the original Gundam. But my whole point in this is you just look at a specific genre, and that's just mecha, and you can see that time has not been, generally speaking, nice to it. Sure, Code Geass, I enjoyed that show a lot. It's one of my favorite shows. I enjoy Godaner a lot. Um, and I'm also enjoying the new Gundam, and Gurren Lagann I enjoyed, you know? And I'm also enjoying some of these older shows. But generally speaking, if you get a new robot show, unless it's one of those ones I just named, it's not very good. You don't get new robot shows because they're so expensive to make, you can't get people to draw them anymore. That's a prime example of how time has not positively affected the anime industry. So... Any comments or should I move on? Because I know you guys are. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's 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 strange. Uh, I mean, just by default, one of my favorite shows, and we've already mentioned Kogias, is it happens to be a mecha, but a lot of people, you know, slam slam it for it, its mecha qualities. And honestly, I'm not the type of person that goes Gaga for mecha designs or. Um, space fights or anything like that. You know, I I watch a show, any show I watch, Doctor Who, anything, for a character interaction and story, and everything else is just kind of secondary. And uh, looking back at the old old shows, the older shows, granted I haven't seen a lot of them. I I've tried to catch up with a few of them. Um, off the top of my head, I've watched the three Gundam movies. I've watched um some of the Gundam one shot um like i think 0083 or 83 or i forget what it's called stardust um, memory yeah probably that one the one that aired on cartoon network um, oh wait then that might have been ms uh 08 team i know quite whichever, a few it's, it's the one it's the one where ace there's a pilot god i think called ace and he deals with a little boy and he has a perm and it's the the crash the crash lands the zeon um crashed crash lands in neutral territory and the boy takes care of the pilot and yeah i think that's 83 anyway go ahead well that and i watched what is it called gunbuster um guy next show with a bunch of girls yeah i yeah yeah i watched that and it's just based off all of the all the gooing and ooing and eyeing of these are the greatest shows of all time giant robo if you can consider that that's what more super robot than anything right uh giant robo well you have evangelion which is a great show um which is giant robot which is also considered real robot i think but generally speaking yeah giant robo is uh is super robot you see the thing about it is i don't dislike it or I'm, I'm not turned off by it i'm just turned off 
by the amount of fanboying around these series. And I and I find a lot of what's said about these series to come off very pretentious. And I mean it and I know I don't really care, but I'm not saying these shows are bad. I'm just saying that there's a lot of importance put behind things that I don't feel are really important. And what I feel is important is more so is the storytelling. And if, you know, if I sit and watch Pat Labor 2 and I find that it's in a great series, a great, not series, great movie, you know, it's a great movie. But don't tell me it's a great movie. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just frustrated with the whole mecha genre because it's just... You get a lot of elitist fans. Yes, I, yes. It, it, that's that's what turns me off. And yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what turns me off 100% about it and makes me not even want to invest time to watch a lot of these shows. Now, I have watched, and to the credit, you know, I've watched a lot. I, not, I haven't watched a lot. I just pretty much named all the ones that I've watched a few minutes ago. <laughs> but a few of them I watched, I liked. I mean, I liked a lot of the... I guess if I'm a fan of anything that's mecha under that umbrella, I'm more of a fan of the super robot shows. You know, I can get behind G Gundam. I can get behind a lot of these series. You know, Mazinger Eye a little bit. I watched the newer one. Just haven't had time to continue it, but I liked what I saw. It's I like the zaniness and the offbeat humor and the super combos and the over the top, you know, whatever that is. They like giant punch, whatever things that they do. I like that. It's humorous. But the, the Gundam, I'm cur- I'm curious because you just got done saying character development, and then you kind of frown on Gundam. That is that seems almost odd to me. Well, it it's a lot of investing in something that I don't I don't want I don't have any intrinsic motivation to watch. You understand what I'm saying? I think it's so. A, it's but a big still. it's a big universe. <laughs> it's well, yes, huge, but it's a huge universe, a lot of different series, a lot of different movies, and I don't have the urge. It's like almost like a sports, you know. I like watching sports, but I'm not a sports fan. I like watching Gundam, but I'm not a Gundam fan. I think a certain Indian man might be mad at you after hearing this hey. podcast. <laughs> He's, so he's always mad at me about something, so it doesn't matter. He's always mad. We're not. We're not going to say who that is. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, JD. I completely like almost closed this without. Is there anything you want to mention on like the mecha scene of my rant? Well, I understand what Sean's saying about like the elitist like fans and like people. It's almost like people say like if you have it like if you don't like it like if you are like oh my god you're not an anime fan and I'm like no you need to back up man <laughs> and um. I I've I've watched like some of the Gundam but I Gundam episodes but it was just I jumped into the middle of it so I was kind of kind of confused and this was a lot younger so but I I have like a very big appreciation for Gundam in in a sense that it did have a I was I only watched it really because the the character designs actually and the people and their and how um, different it was when I was watching it at that time point. And, and now that I look back at it, like, and, and then I watched some mecha shows from this time period from now. And, and I can see how what Josh, what you're saying, how time hasn't been very good to the mecha genre, because I feel like the mecha nowadays, like mecha anime nowadays is trying to almost mimic the complexities of, of old, older mecha anime, but they just haven't figured it out yet. Like almost like, 
like Gundam and you know Evangelion and stuff is like the blueprint, and then they're trying to like mimic it, but also put something else in it to make it different, and then it's, sometimes it doesn't work out. So, like, so what, like what? Give me an example. It's like trying to recreate the Super Soldier Serum after Captain America died. <laughs> Too much. Something like that. <laughs> um, like let's see. Um, Full Metal Panic. Like uh, I watched that, and that's. More, I don't. I guess that could be either giant robot or mecha. Either way you look at it, it's it's real robot. Okay. Well, most mostly, except for the psychic stuff going on. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, watching that was great. I liked it because of the the characters and stuff, and how diverse the characters were. But just to just to focus on like the mecha part seemed almost secondary. Whereas like when I was watching Gundam, it kind of like evened out. And and I that's why I liked it. I like some of that, but I just I I feel so sorry for not being able to watch the whole Gundam series because I like I said it was honestly a lot younger and I just jumped to the middle of it. But I am starting to go back and watch different things, and I just feel like Gundam was just like it really does have. I can understand why there is an elite fan base because it does have complexities to it, and I don't feel like there's as much complexities with mecha anime now. Like there's more care. There's more like a need to relate to the viewers, like, you know, making the characters more fun and like more like younger and sometimes crazier. But I, I don't feel like that the mecha part of it is as heavily uh, focused on as mecha and the older, uh, older mecha anime. But isn't there an expectation, especially in the Gundam franchise to focus on the robots because they're trying to sell the, 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 the models. They sell the toys. Go, Go ahead. <laughs> but if you're in, but if you're in like the mecha genre, shouldn't you like more or less like like try to focus on the mecha? Like that's that's why it's a genre, right? Well, they sell <laughs> or it's just because it has it in it. They sell the toys because well, people buy the toys because they like the show. I mean, for crying out loud, when I say Gundam, who's the, what's the first thing you think of? For me, it's either Amaro or Char Aznable. Really, it's not a machine. It's it's one of those main characters. But you have to take yourself out of the seat of the person watching and you know, put your seat in the per, put yourself into the chair of the executive that's funding these Gundam series. But no, you really don't. You really don't. Because... Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And let me finish my point. The reason you have to do that is because if Gundam ceases to make a profit, you're not going to have any relatable characters. You're not going to have any chars are the other person that you mentioned, you're pretty much just going to have more shows that you probably don't want to watch. And if they, they're not going to, they will, let me put it this way. I have a strong feeling that they would stop making Gundam series before they stop making the merchandise. I, I would, I unfortunately would have to agree with that because I know from listening to other like podcasts and stuff that and hearing different industry people that it's and especially going to the Tokyo anime uh, Tokyo International Anime Fair, it's a lot of like the the Japanese end of of anim, anime production is about making money the business side. So if you have Mecca, then Mecca you can actually 
um, you know, make money off of or more money because you can make a collector's item or whatever, and people be, go crazy over it. So I, I can understand why you're saying that, Sean. I no, I agree with that. I hundred agree with that. And yes, it's all it's almost always been about making money. Very, you know, every once in a while you get someone who just wants to do it because they want to express themselves or something. But it's almost always been about making money. I mean, isn't that what everything is about, pretty much? But anyway, I want to go back to my point. Yes, Sean, I agree with you to the point where you say. The executive says, I want to sell toys, so I'm going to make this show. However, if the viewers do not feel that way, it doesn't really matter what the executive wanted to get across. The most important thing is what the viewers get from the show, not what the executives want to put into the viewers. Because if there's a miscommunication in the show, then no matter how hard that they try to pump the toys, it won't work. However, if they don't try and pump toys, and all of a sudden people want to buy toys, there you go. You know, I, I agree with you to the point where, like, yeah, we're we're making this to sell toys. However, if the people watch the show and they don't feel the need to buy the toys, then it doesn't, you know, there, you know, what have you. Um, so, Mecha Elitist, it comes down to the Xbox 360 versus PlayStation 3. Um, where to go next? I don't know. We're kind of, kind of drying up subjects pretty fast, I guess. Um, let's see. I gotta save that one for another person. Why don't we go to p particular anime and, and and compare them? Like, um, for instance, I know I'm gonna. I'm, Sean's probably gonna pull out his own cutlass and shoot me with this one. Um, Black Lagoon. Yes, that was a reference. Versus like Cowboy Bebop. I've used this reference multiple times. Now, I want to say. Now, I I want to make a complete point before I let you guys talk here, but. I want to say I like Black Lagoon better, and Black Lagoon is actually a better show. Why? Because they have the same story type. You know, it's very um, methodical. It's pretty much a lot of standalone episodes. And actual character development is almost secondary. It happens, it's the second story. You know, the main story is like, okay, Revy, Rock, and uh, Dutch are all on this boat, and uh, they're getting shot by these Russians, and uh, they gotta kill the Russians, and what have you. And then at the end, I mean, after watching that three episode or one episode story, at the end you get Rox being a little bit more confident or you get Revy being a little bit more nice or something. But that's secondary. The whole time you were watching them kill Russians. You, you know what I'm saying? And it was the same with Cowboy Bebop. What, was, what did you watch? You watched Spike and Jet and Faye run around and try and capture someone while Ed was going, Hi, I'm going to use the computer, and then I'm going to eat some teriyaki, you know? And then at the end, you're like, Faye kind of blushes at something Spike says, and you, and you see, oh, Faye had some development, you know what I mean? It was almost secondary. I mean, really, if you want to say, what's the story of Cowboy Bebop? You grab three episodes and say, here. That's that's the story, you know? And that's not bad. I love Cowboy Bebop, but I only saw Cowboy Bebop recently, and I have no nostalgia factor attached to it, and I saw Black Lagoon fairly recently, and I have no nostalgia factor attached to it either. But yet, when I say, is Black Lagoon better than Cowboy Bebop, people instantly shoot me down and say, no, Cowboy Bebop is amazing. Now, I understand that Cowboy Bebop has kind of a disadvantage, as we mentioned already, newer shows pretty much have a better animation overall, but, I mean, to an extent, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it the nostalgia factor that makes an old show good, or is it the fact that the new shows suck, 
I mean, which which is it? Do new shows actually suck, or are old shows just nostalgic? Um, why don't we sh- start with you, Sean, because I, I know you're chomping at the bit for this one. <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to agree with you in this case. I, you know, growing up as an, as an anime fan, Cowboy Bebop was very instrumental in me becoming an, uh, you know, a more, I guess, a hardcore casual fan, if that title even exists. I think after watching both series, I can honestly say that I prefer, and I've never really vocalized this, Black Lagoon over Cowboy Bebop. And the reason I say that is I think the character development was so was so subversive in Black Lagoon and the same thing could be said for Cowboy Bebop where if you really look at the story or just the reg- the plot structure of both shows it's extremely weak there especially in Cowboy Bebop it jumps all over the place you will have if you were to cut the core story of Cowboy Bebop and take out all the supplemental episodes you would have maybe a six episode series the rest is focused around building the character so going off of what you said a little bit earlier i think it's the reverse i think the plot was secondary and the character development was first but this the way that the creators um constructed the story it seemed the other way around every single episode was designed to build the individual characters and make you have more of an investment with their indiv- um, of the, an investment with them individually and both as a unit. Uh, I think. Well, can I can I interject real quick? Um, I do want to clarify what I said, and not that with the Cowboy Bebop, I um I don't think they did any real like a, a great amount of character development. I think they just more introduced you. Okay, you didn't know who Spike was, so they spend the next six episodes in standalones, you know, doing standalones to say here here's Spike. He doesn't change, but. Here's Spike, you know? They did the same thing with Chomplu. Well, actually, I take that back. Chomplu had more development than probably both shows, but anyway, go ahead. Keep going. Well, I mean, in in a sense of character development, people are people, you know? There isn't always this huge epiphany from a character that says, well, hey, this happened to me, so now I'm going to change as an individual. That's not realistic, and I think that on the grounds of both series, they kind of stay true to, you are who you are. And when I'm talking about character development, I'm talking about making them more 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 dimension having more dimensions than just hey I'm this badass fighter that can you know do Bruce Lee moves you know you see a little bit of the complexities behind behind um I was about to say Vash behind Spike and behind Faye and behind even behind Ed you just have to really sit there and look at it and see that they're more than just one dimensional characters now reason I say Black Lagoon is a better series is because I think they did a better job at subtly um, showing these character development. And at the end of the second season of Black Lagoon, they really spent a lot of time showing the relationship between Revienne and uh, Rock. Rock. And Rock. And showing that dynamic and, and, and 
breaking through to the core of Revy's character, who through pretty much throughout the whole series is this badass. And at the end, you there's some really emotional episodes where you see that you know she is human. She she has her flaws, and I that's what I loved about the series. And pretty much the scene that you described, where that infamous boat scene, is pretty much if you look back like the beginning and the end of anything that that crew did together everything else is just okay this episode we're introducing this badass character this episode we're introducing this badass character and through and throughout that interaction you get to see different elements of each of the main stars and that's what i liked about the show and they had some pretty cool characters if you haven't seen that show but you still respect cowboy bebop as a damn good show but you just you just like Cowboy Bebop, or you just like Black Lagoon a little better. Yeah, I'm. You know, I would definitely say Cowboy Bebop is one of my favorite shows. But like you said, there's this. I recognize the nostalgia factor behind it, and I can say, you know, based on the merits of what I like and what, comparing it to a particular series, one is there. One has to be better. There's really no, unless you're kidding yourself. There's no series that are on equal playing fields. At the end of the day, you have to sit down and drop a pebble inside of the inside of the scale, and one's going to tip a little bit more than the other. And what about you, JD? It, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be Cowboy Bebop versus Black Lagoon, but I mean, are there old shows that you particularly think are not as good as some newer shows that are similar or different, or what? No, most of the older shows that I could even compare are just more a shoujo-type shows, like... Sailor Moon and like Magic Knight Ray Earth because I remember watching those when I was a kid, and I I absolutely hate those shows to be honest. Like not Magic Knight Ray Earth, but um, <laughs> but Sailor Moon I just absolutely hate that show. <laughs> um, but it does a lot of people, especially girls, love that show. And I'm sitting there like looking at it, like this is crap compared to like now, and <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> But then again, that's a whole different genre, too. I'm not attracted to that genre that much, either. Like, it's like the magic girl, like, save the world type of genre, and I'm not attracted to it anymore, like I was when I was a kid. So I guess that's probably why I don't like it, too. <laughs> but um, some so shoujo um, shows, um, anime shows, they're kind of going away from, like, making these girls, like... Like giving instead of having the representation of girls having power by having magic or having some type of, of you know, great toy or something. Um, well, what would you think? How do you feel on something like, let's say, K-On versus Sailor Moon? Like you mentioned, now they don't have to have a special power or something like that. But now K-On is like this moe blob. I mean, what is your opinion? on especially shoujo shows like Moe Blob versus Magical Girl or something like that. I think still there's a lot of fan service in especially shoujo anime. So like, well not especially shoujo anime, but like in a lot of more recent anime. And I, I mean, Sailor Moon did have its own fan service, but I think it was just trying to be different from its time period. And then now like, it doesn't. It doesn't have to have that much fan service. So what it does, it seems like oh, it's so shocking. But it's not really that shocking. Like I, <laughs> I just think that the characters themselves are a little different than what they were before, back in the day. And I think that just has to do with just the time changing. And I don't know. I just I, I'm not a big fan of way to be, to be honest. So <laughs> I can't really speak on it too much. <laughs> and you know that is an interesting thing. And and maybe this is a huge topic. And I should save it for another another time but um 
like moe seems to be very prevalent and i mean now when you look at today's shows um let's you know actually that's a good idea let's let's take a little bit of an examination of of something that's you know airing today um well i know one there's like ninja scroll versus uh i, I don't know if i say this right basilisk or basilisk yeah basilisk well basilisk is still a fairly old show but well i mean the anime is kind of more new actually um, but if you look at Ninja Scroll and Basilisk, um, they're both ninja sh- shows. But the girls, they both have these these huge breasts. They're so skinny. But in reality, if you're a ninja, you were very strong and very quick. I mean, regarding the the whole like power things that they have. But like you you'd be pretty muscular, and they're not very muscular. So it's just like you're looking at it like okay. Well, I'm watching it. And I'm like okay, this is a little bit different, and this is not what I was going for you know in a show is very much fan service but that's that's not even it's it's just different it's just like i i i don't really honestly as a woman watching it i don't want to see it to be honest i risk was more realistic but then at the same time it's a ninja show where people have these crazy powers that you wouldn't have in reality so it's just like well you got to remember what you're watching remember what you're looking at so sometimes you just kind of bypass the whole way thing but i just don't like it though well, I think you misunderstood. The girls with the big boobs were not normal ninjas. They were ninjas in bed. And I can guarantee you that they were wielding a short sword. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you, though, when girls really work out, they don't have big breasts. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Wow, I don't even know how to recover from that. Maybe it's maybe it's, maybe it's it's time I just say adieu. Um, so... Before we do that, though, I did I did want to just take an ex- example of let's look at um, the new season. How many shows are fluff, moe fluff, or etchy fluff, or something? A good portion of them. So, what are some good shows that are on right now that you guys can suggest are just that um, that would be just as good as some older shows? Do ra ra ra, yeah. That show's amazing. I like I like. Uh, I had I love that show. I have to say one of my, you said your favorite voice actor was uh, Kira. I'd have to say my favorite voice actor is um, the guy who plays uh, Shizuo. He just he picks up that telephone pole and goes Isaiah. And he just like man that is awesome. Yeah, that has that show has great voice acting in it. Um, yeah, and I I I thoroughly enjoy that show, and I'm actually going to watch it as soon as I get off of this of the show. So, um, another one I've been kind of keeping up on is uh, Hero Man. And it's not, like, this amazing show, but it, it, like, I guess we were talking about Mecha a little bit. It has that Mecha elements, but it feels like a really old, cheesy comic book. Because, I mean, it was made, the concept was designed by Stan Lee, of all things. So, I mean... Yeah, looking at that, I can definitely say Hero Man versus Gundam. Gundam definitely, like, ass rapes Hero Man. Um, I just got this really bad picture of Hero Man bending over with, like, the original Gundam behind him. But, <laughs> with a beam saber. Um, but anyway, yeah. You guys got anything to distract me from this horrible line of thought? <laughs> um, JD? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't really been keeping up with the uh, new shows other than my standby... F- my standby shows that I've been watching, but um, yeah, Dura Rar 
is pretty much the only show that I'm really keeping up with. Uh, I watched a few episodes of Eden of the East. I watched um, Bakemono Katari. Bakemono Katari, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, I kind of dug it. The third episode is a little different, which I kind of respect. Every episode is different. <laughs> well, I mean, in a sense that it was just like th- 24 minutes of straight dialogue and really nothing else going on. And I thought that was interesting. So, yeah. Um, those are the shows. I'm pretty much taking cues from the the staff and seeing what shows you guys are really big on and watching them and seeing what's going on and trying to find time to, to continue and go through it completely. All right, and uh, JD, I know you're a manga person, so maybe we should ask you, like, any new manga you've been reading or something? Yeah, well, I mean, the newer, I don't really like some of the newer anime shows, to be honest. Sorry, you know you said manga. But, um, because after I watched, like, Dance the Vampire Bug, thinking that was going to be a great show after the first, like, episode, I was really disappointed, and I was like, gosh! I was like, oh my gosh! And then after all these shows I had to watch during like last seasons, or whatever new season of anime, I was just like really disappointed and just defeated. So, <laughs> but um, so I just went back to my manga ness. <laughs> and um, I guess some good good manga that to read. I think I really encourage people to pick up manga that isn't manufactured by or published. Sorry, by um very very big anime or anime industry companies or whatever like Tokyo Pop and Viz like Viz has some good ones but they have some bad ones too but I feel like if you actually went out and you know picked up something from CMX or picked up something from just a different anime uh manga um licensor then I think that that would really change your people's views of what they they read you know like besides Naruto and the Bleach Bleach ones, you know, it's pretty much like I like I like the underground stuff a little more. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm just encouraging that in general. I'm not gonna say thing say which titles per se. I'm just gonna encourage just go out and read different ones. You don't have to pick up Tokyo Pop title or this title to get a good a good manga, and especially one that have so much fan service. Oh my gosh! Are you telling people to not read Sergeant Frog and Naruto and Bleach? Do How not, dare you? Do not get me started on Sergeant Frog. Okay, do not get me started on Sergeant Frog. <laughs> I gave away my Sergeant Frog volume, and I was just like, ah, no, I do not want to read this. Like, I do not want to read this anymore. And I read it, like, five times, but I don't, like, I don't want to, like, have it on my shelf. <laughs> but, I mean, I could I, – I, I do like older – I like some older manga that, like, Lady Snowblood was really great. But, like, like the newer – it just – it really just depends on your, your taste. But I just – I just encourage people just to – to read something outside of what they normally see, the normal, like, Naruto and Bleach areas, you know? So, not necessarily title. All right, so um, that pretty much wraps up our show, or this segment, anyway. Um, I want to thank both Sean and JD for being on the show. Not a problem. Glad glad to be on the show. And is there... I know, Sean, you run a couple other businesses. Is there something you would like my fans to go and check out? And likewise, JD? Uh, sure. Check out uh, TotspotUSA.com. If you're into alternative music, we have a lot going on there. So, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And, um, of course, Anime3000.com. All of the new podcasts that we have a new podcast coming out. Um, the spoiler cast. I'm working on that right now. But of course, the Anime 3000 panel with yours truly. We have an episode, I don't know when this is coming out, but 
the next episode will be about Mamoroshi, and we have Brian Rue, who literally wrote the book on Mamoroshi, on the show. We also have Fernando Ramos and Tim Wan on the panel. We have the Speakeasy podcast, which I'm still waiting to get the next episode, and as soon as that comes out, I'll tease it and all that good stuff. Wow, for a moment there, I thought I was listening again to the uh, Anime 3000 podcast. <laughs> okay, go ahead, JD. Is there anything else you would like to plug, like a personal website or something? Um, I wish. To, I do have a personal website, but I'm changing it, so yeah. Um, but be on the lookout. Um, I know I'm plugging Anime 3000 again, I'm sorry. But uh, on Anime 3000, I know Fernando is will have it up soon, but just content from the Tokyo International Anime Fair. In Tokyo, obviously, <laughs> and and also Michigan. us around like <laughs> us around um, Akihabara and me in a maid's outfit at, in Akihabara. Hopefully, you'll see that too. Woo. Speaking of fan service, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just be on the lookout. Anime TV, Anime Three Thousand TV. I should be plugging Anime 3000 TV. I'm the one who's, like, running that freaking show. No, right? And you need to get it on Fernando so you can put it up so you guys can see all the greatness. Well, well besides your... <laughs> well, okay. Well, I, I will do that. But until then, thank you. Thank you, my guests, for, for being on the show. Not a problem. Anytime. Thank you. And once again, I just want to thank Sean and JD for appearing on the show. Excellent, excellent guests. I enjoyed having you on, guys. So uh, just call me if you want to jump on again. Um, let's see. So next we have Otaku USA's Fernando Ramos. Uh, you can find his stuff, of course, up on uh, Otaku USA, as I just mentioned. Uh, Notes from Nippon. Very, very good articles. Very nice photography, by the way, Fernando. And uh, you can also find his editing work, and as well as some other articles on anime3000.com where he is of course editor-in-chief over all the horrible things I write uh, I'd like to thank you for putting up with my garbage but without further ado we get very philosophical to look at anime in a way that perhaps a lot of people need to look at it a little bit more and dissect it and you know I feel like this one conversation I had with Fernando was more like a, a Rubik's Cube, you know? People say, oh yeah, it's a game you give kids, but really when you stop and think about it, it's quite complex and solving it is can be difficult for the for the average person. I know you got nerds out there, oh, there's a formula, so maybe that's a bad analogy, but you get what I'm saying. It's a little bit deeper than what it just appears to be. So, let's go. Holy shit, the bastard's here! Today we have our guest Fernando Ramos from... Otaku USA and Anime3000.com. Well, thank you. Um, so, um, is there anything you want to plug in the uh, beginning of the show here, or what? Uh, yeah. Uh, recently, I've started a uh, a personal website, uh, MrOutside.com. Just you know, just type it in sometime, MrOutside.com. Nothing much there right now. Just kind of basically a repository for all my shit. Just so you don't have to like. Uh, I guess I've spread myself pretty thin out over the internet, and I just wanted to have one centralized hub for everything. So, yeah, Mr. Outside is a reference of, to Eden of the East, a fantastic little anime series. The ending could have been a bit better, but um, at least the TV series and the first movie were pretty decent. Now, this uh, little site of yours, if you don't mind me asking, is it like an anime only, or is it like anything? 
it's mostly for photography. It's not really for anime. I mean, um, my anime stuff, I, I keep it on, on anime3000.com. And even Otaku USA stuff isn't really all that anime-centric. It's more um, Japan-centric. Although, I mean, with an otaku bent, you know, I try to go for things that I would think that, um, that how you say, the otaku audience would go for. You know, the more the quirkier side of Japan, you know, the more... I mean, I guess, like, I don't, I don't care about temples. I don't really like a lot of the traditional culture. Well, I wouldn't say I don't like it. It's just, it's not, it doesn't really call out to me. I'm more fascinated by the, by the contrast of, of uh, modern Japan and ancient Japan. I like more the, the idea of what's in between these two very different time periods, you know, how 60 years, not even 60, 70 years ago now, you know, we were trying to kill the holy hell out of each other. And now we're all talking about Japan as being the land of Hello Kitty. It's kind of uh, it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> Rather ironic, um, but that segues perfectly into what topic we have for this late night edition here. Um, that would be new anime versus old anime and the trends and what has kind of changed over the years. Um, so I guess a good place for, to start would be what do you consider to be an old anime? When I think old anime, I mean I. I... I guess I tend to, I guess in my experience, of course, old is um, anything past the 1980s, really. I mean, I and I can't really say I've watched that much old anime in that case, because I mean, I haven't really seen that much Astro Boy. I mean, I've seen a couple select episodes of Astro Boy. Can't really, couldn't really tell you much about him. Um, same thing with Gigantor. You know, I see, I see a little bit of Gigantor. I mean, uh, you mean Tetsujin 28, of course. Uh, yeah, it's Gigantor. <laughs> well, there are different edits. I just want to be sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, of course, in Japan, it's called Tetsujin 28 or Tetsujin Hachigo if you want to be really purist about it. But, I mean, most people, I think, would know it as Gigantor more than the Tetsujin title. Although, maybe it could be different because, you know, Ganyon's release was called Tetsujin and not Gigantor. That is true, that is true. But as I understand, it was more of a licensing issue thing, where I guess Ganyon did want to park it as Gigantor, but uh, the license said, oh no, you cannot call it Gigantor, you must call it Tetsujin. And they're like, yeah, well, I can I can kind of understand that from their perspective, but they don't quite understand how the money works over here in all, in all respects. So. But, um, so you would say something beyond 80s, beyond like uh, two generations ago, or a generation and a half ago anyway. Yeah. I mean, like the <clears throat> as far as it goes, I mean, like as if you want to consider, like what's a good example of old anime would be Star Blazers or the Space Battleship Yamato uh, series. That would be an example of, like old anime for me. Just you know, like like I believe that was came out in the late nineteen sixties. I could be mistaken. Uh, let me just um, I thought it was seventies. Okay, it was nineteen seventy three. Okay, I'm mistake. Okay, so yeah, I guess, so, I mean, I go back as far as Star Blazers, though, I mean, that's, I consider it old anime, a Star Blazers, I mean, uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam series, of course, is, I could, I'd file under old, just very, you know, primary colors, uh, low frame rate, but, uh, oddly charming in its own way, because you can still see a lot of that cinematic ambition, even in those really old titles. That is true, there is a, a big difference in art style compared to just even the stuff in the 90s compared to, you know, 2000s, there's a vast difference because, you know, the animation style and techniques have just advanced or have changed so so drastically. But um, 
I have to say though, going, you know, talking about uh, Space Battleship Yamato, um, I haven't really seen it properly by any means. I saw like an, one episode. And it's good. I'm definitely going to watch it. But I have to say, along those lines, um, Gachaman. That is like some of the craziest thing I've seen, but it, for some odd reason, it oh, doesn't yeah. come off as being as silly as it really is. You know what I mean? A bunch of kids dressing up like birds and fighting with yo-yos, and one of them has a gun. It's like, what the, what the heck? You know, it, it's, it's really silly, but because it's lighthearted, you know, you don't have to sit down and be like, oh, I'm watching serious cartoons now. You know, you just you sit down and watch it, and you giggle a little bit or something. But, I mean, I think that's a, a great example of uh, an older show that people can still enjoy even nowadays i mean like just the just the other day i was listening to the opening theme and that still gets stuck in my head so oh the uh the gachaman theme yeah the first one yeah yeah i mean actually i was singing at karaoke the other day actually you know actually if i if i may i have to say uh jam project did a, a cover of that and that is like the best cover i've ever heard oh wow yeah, that actually, is a, that actually is a, sounds like a good idea to listen yeah, exactly. to something. Well, I've been going back and listening to some of the Jam Project uh, covers. or They did this whole thing of the, the top 20 anime themes, of course, as voted by Japan. And Gachamon was number 20. And it's awesome because it's a medley. So they just go right through the whole the whole thing. And, and right after Gachamon, they go right into uh, Fly Gundam or what what have you there? The original yeah. Gundam theme. Gundam exactly. Yeah. You know it may it is it's like it is is kind of silly because it's like man I can almost say that I can I can always almost name every show in well maybe not every show but I mean I can name in in particular different shows I mean they did a cover the the ones I cared about were. Uh, the Gachaman and the Gundam, and then they did a cover for Majinger Zay, and um, then at the very end, spoilers, I guess, whatever, number one, of course, was Lupin the Third, and hearing Jam Project sing uh, Lupin the Third was just amazing. Wow, it sounds, uh, not really much to sing there, I mean, a lot to play, for sure, it's a definitely got a lot of instrumentalization, it'd be interesting to hear Jam Project's take on it, I mean, I haven't really listened to as much Jam, Jam Project as I should, I'm gonna fully admit right here. Although I do like uh, Mas Masaki Endo, I believe he's one of the singers for them. Masaki Endo did this really amazing cover of the Power Rangers uh, theme. Oh yes, oh man. Those, and also, yeah. Those two cover albums were amazing. Like uh, my favorite cover, of course, the, the Power Rangers cover was actually pretty good, um, because it was the English Power Rangers yeah, song. Yeah. If I uh, mis if I'm not mistaken, they didn't play that in Japan at all. That was specific um, to the u.s it market played, it did have a run in japan i mean i don't know too much about it but i, mean, I do know that I, I went to the rental store and they do have a uh, copy of power rangers the movie you know the, the the theatrical release that came out here some time ago oh already yes i mean it's it's no it's known over there i mean and they know they know about it and believe and i'm not mistaken in one of those tokusatsu magazines or one of a even maybe i even be a the studio's own productions uh, booklets, they have a comparison of the American and the Japanese um, productions. Which are actually really, really different if you if you look at it. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, depends. it varies from show to show. Like, I mean, of course, the first seasons were completely different. They just they just said, okay, we're going to take your fight footage and throw in our own and throw Save Thy Bell in between them. But later on, it appears they've got, they became a lot more... Um, 
a lot more faithful. I believe during uh, like I know Wild Force, like they it was so it was so faithful to the point where all they would do for the transformation sequences was just uh, superimpose the American actors' faces on top of the Japanese ones. And that's uh, that's actually that's that's pretty good. Um, of course, if you if you can pull it off, you don't yeah. have some like I don't know weird looking half breed face or something and i say that with all respect of course um <laughs> yeah 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 although and although of course there are times that even recent the most recent power rangers series and probably the last one to come out for some time which was um power rangers rpm that one was just completely different where in the original japanese was this very light-hearted kid show and the the very premise of the of the american production rpm was complete total post-apocalyptic mad max terminator you know we're all gonna die uh scenario i have to say though uh one of my friends has one of my friends has been trying to get me to watch uh go go sentai bokenger and uh you know i was, I was thinking of, of, of tossing that one around it's a fairly new one but uh back to the masaki endo covers uh the second album was really good i mean there's um there's like three songs in particular that i listened to uh, one is the um the gogo power rangers um the other one was the uh i forget the name of the specific song but it was the uh, 08th team the uh, 08th ms team uh, for gundam oh okay yeah you said you've been talking at first that you're gonna ta- say the um the opening for bokurano which was uninstall which is also, which is also a fantastic little uh, song well all of them are fantastic of course yeah yeah, Endo, Endo did a really good cover of it. He really captured the uh, the desperation in that song. And well, I guess uh, let's go let's go back to the topic though about you know new anime versus quote well quote unquote new anime versus quote unquote old anime, and the different schools in between. Because really, I mean, I, I I'm really hesitant to sound like an authority on the subject because I mean I feel I feel like I've watched a lot of cartoons, but then I also feel like I maybe I'm a bit underqualified to speak for the whole of anime i mean in my experience generally old anime is as i said before star blazers and uh <clears throat> and you know gachaman and you have your speed racers and all that you know basically 1970s is, which is kind of like where really anime is trying was starting to find its its uh feet you know i mean before I me and of course there was astro boy and gigantor and all this other stuff but it wasn't too radically different from from a US TV at the time it was very episodic it was uh, very much you know like it's a problem let's solve the problem see you next week and, that, and that's true uh, a lot of shows were like that but um you know there were also shows that weren't like of course Gundam which well yeah that's know. what I'm saying like, the, the, the very earliest anime were episodic and then uh, and then gradually like in the 1970s there became this move towards serial storytelling sequential storytelling which became the norm for anime at least for i guess anime aimed towards teenagers i would go back uh, even before that um like some of uh tezuka's work was well it was very very episodic i mean a lot of his stuff like blackjack you can read one chapter and you know you've got the whole story you know what i mean you don't need a as long as you have one chapter you've got a story but i mean there are other things like um now I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a shot in the dark here. I think Gona Guy did a lot of his stuff in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, if I remember correctly, at least it was late 60s, you know, and he was telling series, you know, serial stories, not so much um, weekly, episodic, 
you know, fight the monster of the week. I mean, yeah, he may have incorporated some elements of that, but still had, you know, a story that was start to end that didn't last only 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm just looking over here. Essentially, yeah, he he first really kind of started to find his feet around the late 1960s. He's but uh, you know, like he really exploded in the 1970s. That's like that's like, that's like most of his stuff. But even even then, I mean, you still, I mean, in comics, I'd say there was a stronger sequential storytelling tradition there, or serial storytelling. I should say that's because sequential everything is sequential by its nature, but. Uh, you know, we're just continuing works where you had like all these little chapters lead to one big story. But in the 1970s, there really was this aggressively a ser- serialized storytelling push, like where if you missed one episode, you could well have missed half the series. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. Because I remember, like with Gundam, if you had missed a series or you had missed an episode, you could have missed a very, very important part of the series. And in which, I mean, you could get the little thing that said, last time on such and such, you know, and you could kind of make up for it. But it wasn't the same as actually watching it, you know, and get the nitty gritty details that, you know, you wouldn't quite understand for the next episode or the episode you were about to watch. Yeah. And it's kind of become the norm nowadays in, in, in anime. I mean, of course, you know, in the 1980s, you did have a lot of the robot shows, you know, like you had your, your Go Lions or Voltrons and um, any number of shows that have been forgotten in the midst of time, where it's like, okay, the Monster of the Week, blah. But I I think what's interesting, even those shows, they tried to make at least the illusion of um of a, of a sequential, of a, I'm sorry, sequential, of a progression in the story. Even some of the, a lot of the stories actually nowadays, like, I, I think it's safe to say we can look at Cowboy Bebop as being like that. You know, it was a, a lot of a standalone sort of episodes or, um, you know, yeah, they branched off into one or two parters or, uh, I don't, I don't think they ever reached three, but at the same time, towards the end, they did have a, um, you know, like an actual event that kind of capped the story off. Uh, and I think you see that a little bit more nowadays than actually a long-running series. Um, you know, that that sort of thing. Like, nowadays, like, what, I could pick off anything. Like, let's look at um, just last year we had Bakemonogatari, which, you know, was basically that. It was a bunch of small little uh, segmented parts of the series that led up or are still leading up because it's not quite done yet, are still leading up to a conclusion. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from that. So are there any other differences, you know, I mean, besides just storytelling? I mean, obviously art is different. Well, yeah, the art is different. I mean, of course, back in the day it was, um, I don't know, I would I would say it's a much more simplistic style. I mean, a lot more cartoony, more based off the Fleischer Brothers uh, styles or techniques, and now it's more like... And now it's, you know, Moe Moe Kuhn. That, that's much. true. Like, you can look at Tezuka's art and you can almost, like, certain panels look just like they had come out of the Sunday Funnies here in America. So Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, nowadays it seems more of a, you know, a very, a very slick style. It's very, you know, yeah, it's just a very slick, very refined, you know, very clean style. I mean, like... Back in the day, you could say see fingerprints of on the cells. You know, you can just see this very unrefined sort of look. Yeah, it's very unrefined. You can, you can see like the pencil lines. You can just see like just 
and and of course it's it's very cheap. At the same time, I added this um, uh, sorry, let me go a bit slower there. It was very cheap looking, but at the same time, it was very human. There's a there's a little human touch. It was like it's like looking at a uh, uh not sorry not to interrupt, but it's like looking at a pencil sketch. Or, you know, something that you can see where all the smudge marks are and everything, but when you have that actual sketch in your hands, you say, wow, this is really good, where nowadays they say, draw a car, and instead of doing all those extra pencil marks, they just make the basic outline and get it done. I mean, they, they both look good, but one seems to have a little bit more of a character to it than the other. Yeah, it's very, it's very true. I mean, uh, it's interesting, you know, this is, um... And this hasn't been lost on the generation here in Japan either, mind you. It's just that it's cheaper to make it in in computer. It's easier also as far as that's why you have a lot more shows nowadays than you did back in the day. Plus they're kind of a bit in trouble there and they got to pump out a little bit of more stuff to get the extra otaku cash. Yeah, it's all it's kind of a vicious cycle, isn't it? I mean, you're working longer, harder hours for less money and to make less money in the long run. It is very self-cannibalizing, I guess, if you look at it that way. Um, however, yeah. you know, a lot of people say that there's, because of that cycle, that there's no more good stuff. That, you know, it's all become this grab money so we can get something good later, which we end up spending money on another grab project, which either fails hard or doesn't do quite as well. And so, you know, you're always doing this money grab that never works, and you never get a good show later. And I'd like to... to I would like to disagree with that you know, uh, idea because, I mean, like you said, Eden of the East, I would consider that to be on par with some of the classics, you know? I, about Eden of the East, I mean, I wouldn't have considered on par with the classics. Depends on what you consider classics. I mean, I think it's a very good show. I mean, granted, I think it's, I have the, um, the misfortune of having actually seen the, what's it called? seen the ending of it, the the cinematic ending of it, and it wasn't uh, very <laughs> satisfying to say the least. But I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil it for anybody. Just go ahead and read my reviews on anime3000.com. <clears throat> yeah, I have I haven't seen the ending of Eden of the East, so I mean I'll have to take your word for it. I mean I may like the films, I haven't seen them so it's kinda hard. But I mean uh, at the same time like, I loved Bakemonogatari. I think it's no secret to anyone who knows me that how much I love the series. And I honestly think that is an amazing show. Like, uh, also another one that Kuju Branco, or uh, Flying Trapeze, I believe it's called here in the States or something like that, was an amazing show. Um, I can't see it doing extremely successful here in America because, well, American audiences don't typically go for that really psychedelic, really crazy sort of thing. But um, at the same time, I would definitely say, you know, if you had to say, pick three anime series that are art, that would be one of them. Yeah, I, I haven't seen too much of uh, of uh, Trapeze or Kuchubaranko, but I did catch it occasionally on late night TV, just yes, you know, I'm just like insomniac mode, and I just um, turn on the TV and holy crap, what is this? <laughs> Exactly, you know, you were like, "What, what, what, what's on my TV screen? Did someone vomit, or is this like some masterpiece?" Or, yeah, it's very fascinating. I've been, I've just been meaning to, um, to go out to a rental store and rent, and of course, legally, uh, go out and rent it and pay money for it. Mm. Of course, everyone in Japan pays money for everything, right? Uh, yeah. 
generally speaking, of course. Sure, yeah, sir. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why DVDs cost 80 bucks a pop here. It's for because two I, episodes. Yeah, because they need to make their money off the people who do buy it. Um, so, let's see here. Um, another show I thought that was really good that was uh, recent was Tokyo Magnitude 8.0. You know, Tokyo Magnitude was a really, really, really good show, and it was put out by Bones, and to not give like a mini review or anything, um, it was something that I think anyone who saw could appreciate for what it was, whether or not they enjoyed it, because it was well animated, well story, you know, the storytelling was really good, and even at the ending, some people could say, oh, they dragged the ending out too long, I disagree, um, because I think the people who didn't like the ending said that they dragged it out too long. Because at the ending, it had you guessing. It was a 50-50 outcome, and you couldn't tell. And, it, I mean, it was, a, it was a very good series. And I think a lot of people don't really look at it as such because it's newer, and it's, it gets overlooked. And that's another series, unfortunately, I don't think would do well in the States or sell well on DVD or Blu-ray or something. You know, it might, have been, it might be popular with fan subs or something, but no, it wouldn't. Legally, I can't see it going anywhere. Really? Why? Why is that? I mean, I I just find that very fascinating. I'd consider I'd consider that something I took in Magnitude to be probably far more uh, accessible because I've seen the first episode. It's a very human series. It's, you know, it's very much based in human drama, and I could see that selling a lot more than uh, something with like the recently licensed Eden the East, which is this very ab not I wouldn't say abstract, but it's just very it's just work that just has these weird leaps into the surreal. For no good reason and without warning, like you just have to kind of roll with it. It's very much, it's very much like in Eden the East. You might just have scenes like where, okay, why the hell did that guy just take the other guy's pants without even so much as paying money? No, yeah, I tell you, magnitude. It's more about a. It's just basically about a people trying to survive this uh, disaster, which I could see just being a lot a much easier sell theoretically. Anyways, to uh, to a mainstream audience, then you know, hey, how do we save Japan? Well, see, I I would disagree because it's such a more simplistic um, sell, or or theoretically, anyway, as you as you stated, because nowadays, like those type of stories tend to be like those hour long dramas or shows that come on prime time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just for the people who buy anime, I think the people who actually do care about that are more likely to watch Eden of the East and be entertained by it. Uh, well, maybe I need to rephrase that because they will be entertained if they actually stopped and watched Tokyo Magnitude. But I mean, like, if you were at the anime store or wherever, Best Buy, and you pulled out both, you know, covers and you see uh, a woman with two children running away from a falling building or from Rebel or, or Rubble or something like that versus... Um, you know, two other characters, and then you read, and you read the back and say, "Oh, there's a dude who has a mysterious cell phone, mysterious organization, infinite money." Compared to running away from shaking ground, y you know what I mean. It, one sounds more fantastic than the other, and in the end, isn't that what we watch cartoons for? Is to get that fantastic thing that cannot be captured by live action or other mediums. You know what yeah. I mean. Uh, that, that's, that's a very good point, actually. I mean, and I would say if I was a mainstream person, I might just uh, ditch both, to be honest. I mean, because I, I, of course, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an anime fan. That's... And honestly, 
and I must say though, when I saw the when I was in Tokyo Anime Fair and I kind of went there kind of blind, I didn't know what was coming out, and I kind of deliberately made it so I didn't know what was coming out, just like kind of see what I reacted to. And uh, the two shows I reacted to were uh, Tokyo Magnitude, because it was a uh, a girl running away from a falling building, and it was just um, a very interestingly framed shot. Just uh, just it caught the eye. Just the whole idea. Okay, Tokyo earthquake. Hmm. This is interesting, and this seems relevant. And and Eden the East caught me precisely because like I just saw okay cell phones ten billion dollar ten billion yen charged, and um, you know this talk of a messiah and all this really interesting religious and uh, religious talking. Uh, this really interesting religious uh, illusions and these really interesting Shakespearean illusions. It just it was very mysterious. It reminded me of like when I first caught on to Ava, where I just had this like, but just jargon thrown at me, and I had to figure out what it all meant. And I kind of was curious. Okay, what does this all mean? This might go somewhere. And I was very glad to have watched uh, Eden the East. And uh, for the record, as far as uh, Tokyo Magnitude goes, as far as like, why I think it might appeal to a mainstream audience is that, um, my girlfriend she was a uh, just channel surfing one day. And uh, she just said, just randomly, she just said, hey, I saw this show on TV. It was like this earthquake thing. And it was an anime. And I just started watching it. And I, I actually found myself crying at the end of it. You know, a lot of people actually did. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and she and she is not an anime fan at all. I mean, you know, she's she knows I like the stuff. You know, she kind of just quietly tolerates my fanboyism. But, you know, she's... You know the fact that this like this cartoon has moved her to tears is just very interesting to me, and it's and it's even more and maybe it, maybe it's also because we actually live in Tokyo or I don't live in Tokyo but I go to Tokyo often enough and like and I, the first thing I notice when I watch uh, Magnitude is that wow I know all these buildings holy shit yeah exactly and that's what I was about to say I was gonna make my next point was gonna be like maybe because you live in Japan um, and for the Japanese in general because they are in Japan. The idea of Tokyo being destroyed by an earthquake, which is a totally possible and sooner or later will happen, of course. You know, it's a matter of time. I mean, really, if any, it has a chance of happening sooner or later, it will sort of thing. Um, but I mean, it's a fear that a lot of people over there have. So to make an anime that capitalizes already on that fear and that concern and then to kind of do such a storytelling that actually moves people, like you said, your, your girlfriend... Um, you know, I think that's why it may, it, it, you know, it may be really, really good in Japan, but here over in the States, you know, like, okay, Tokyo, you know, it's a city far, far away with a bunch of short people sort of thing. You know, that's how someone else may look at it. You know what I mean? They, it, it, so, I mean, I guess if you changed it to San Francisco magnitude, you know, 8.0 or something and had two, uh, I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying. It, it just like, it doesn't quite localize as well. It doesn't localize at all as well because I mean it, it is there it is localized there I mean it was created for Japan and here you know not so much but Eden of the East almost anyone can relate to it as long as they live in a first world country I mean as long as you have a cell phone which pretty much any first world country does especially Japan but you know? I would I'd say that the the central premise of Eden the East is save Japan that is the central premise of the show it is it is I'd argue that Eden the East is a uh, 
far less accessible because of that. Because I mean, I, I, I mean, we're gonna be arguing because I mean, granted, both shows have fans on the other side of the pond, on both sides of the pond. So I mean, clearly, the show is both shows have touched, uh, have touched something. They, you know, they have thought they. I mean, to get uh, philosophical for a moment, just that they have touched that essential, you know, human essence. You know, that human experience, and they they both manage to speak to it in no sense. But I'd say in the East is far more steeped in Japanese politics and uh, in America's relationship to Japan, and just this whole sense of uh, the post-war dream or the that uh, God. I, I'm I hate it when I have big ideas and I don't have the words to express them. But that kind of that post-war nationalism, maybe, or that sort of patriotism or something? Is that what you're trying to get at, or no? Well, I wouldn't say patriotism so much, because, I mean, a lot of what you used to address that there is no patriotism, is that there is no, that there is no real sense of pride in country anymore in in Japan. And that, you know, essentially that, uh, you know, the after the war, you know, people worked hard to, uh, to build the Japan up from the ashes. And... And now, you know, the current generation is basically lying on their asses and not doing anything. That's that's the core message of Ian the East. I mean, there's no there's no getting around it. I mean, the guy who the guy who runs the game, you know, he's said to be this uh, shadowy guy who was big during the post-war era, who helped reconstruct Japan. And and who is he choosing to who is he choosing to um to save Japan. He's choosing the younger generation. He's choosing people in their twenties and thirties who grew up during the, the bubble period of Japan when Japan was just had a shitload of money and was basically able to do whatever it wanted. And we could have movies like angels egg. We could, we could have actually, if we're going to go to anime, bring this back to anime, we could have the eighties anime boom where like anybody could make anything they wanted. We could have like such, all these crazy little movies like Angel's Egg, like um, like Bobby's Girl or something like that. Like Bobby's Girl, yes, thank you, and just all these little movies. Something that isn't necessarily designed like here sell toys and make money. Something that is designed because someone wants to make it or wants to express themselves. Yeah, and and basically take this take the E of the East that essentially the message I got out of it was that they're saying. All you young people are waste are wasting your your talents on nothing. Do something. So you know, Eden of the East. I think what you're trying to say is uh, aims at this that really core Japanese work ethic, work ethic is become part of their culture. Yeah, or it's starting to not become part of their culture. But yes. Okay, I think I got you there. So um, y- you made an interesting point, like bringing Eden of the East an anime back to an anime, you know, talking about Angel's Egg and, 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 and I mentioned Bobby's Girl and stuff. And let's, 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 let's mention really briefly, uh, Angel's Egg was a movie by Mamoru Oshii who also stretched Ghost in the Shell. It was one of his uh, most experimental works, just very abstract, very beautiful artwork by Yoshitaka Amano. Uh, there, but there are 10 line dialogue in the whole movie and it could be argued whether there's actually any meaning to it whatsoever. I mean, Oshii said it's about his loss of religion, but... Um, other people would say otherwise. So, sorry, I just wanted to bring some context to that. And Bobby's Girl, if you can explain that to the audience. Um, actually, I can't nearly as well because I forget who, who made it, but it was a... Was it a one-shot? Yeah, it was just a one-shot. 
Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it, um, it, by today's standards, it can be really considered as a uh, experimental or very vastly different from what we have today, you know, and and that's something I think we've really uh, moved away from, or not we, because we're not making the anime, but I think uh, anime has really moved away from is being able to do those experimental types of things, like Angel's Egg, where you said, like, there's almost no dialogue, and it is kind of weird to watch, you know, you're like, what am I watching, you know, there's no, there's no explanation, you're kind of tossed into an art gallery and said, you know, well, what'd you make of it? Um, at the same time, like, I think you can even say Evangelion was an experimental series by far, because before, um, before Evangelion, I don't think a lot of anime fans had to actually kind of, like you said, decode the anime as they were watching. I mean, the first you know, six, seven episodes, you could easily watch and just say, okay, yeah, this is a, a series about this boy who is in a robot, and he beats up these things called angels. Yeah, it sounds like something out of the Bible, but I don't read the Bible, so whatever, you know? <laughs> and before you know it, you got, like, there's, like, this just a huge mythos to it. Like, a lot of people don't even scratch the surface as to what Evangelion is really about, you know? And I think we haven't seen we haven't seen something like that for a long time you know what i mean i'd i'd argue that it's actually more the norm of anything hell even something like angel beats just to take it back to if we're going to talk about angels and religion and what have you and actually angel beats is a uh, kind of i guess to i guess we've kind of gotten off the track of an, new york's old anime i think we're kind of uh, way out there into the oceans of uh oh i disagree i think we're still there but keep going i like where this so, okay, is uh, so anyways, going i would say that angel beats is very much in that tradition of you know like like what the fuck is going on here i mean of course like the i mean i would say the angel beats might be a bit more in your face about it in that in that it's uh you know from the beginning it's like what the heck is going on you know what who is who who should i trust and all this stuff and i should also mention that angel beats i'm not trying to say it's anything like ava in because i mean ava i'd say is a well it's a far more serious work for that matter i think it's a far it has a lot more how uh, i wouldn't say inte- i don't want to say integrity but it's the only way they can really come to me at this point it just has a lot more of a nasequa about it, and Angel Beats is more of a is basically a moe show. I I'd argue that's uh, it's basically a battle royale with moe, but I was thinking more of Haruhi Suzumiya with guns, but um... Haruhi Suzumiya with guns. Well, that too, I guess that'd be an interesting way of looking at it. But my my point is that my point is that that they that. God, what was that? My point is that yeah, don't I wouldn't say that there hasn't been any experimental anime, anything that hasn't like really tried to challenge the um the WTF meter. Hell, even 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 the East has that whole WTF thing going on, where you know you find out there's this whole backstory behind everything, and there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. I'd say that really Ava, like, Ava really was like one of those for one of those shows that really really like just took that whole idea and ran with it and i think everybody just tried to be ava ever since yeah it did spawn a lot of a lot of those ever clones and such like rosafon and uh brain powered yeah rosafon yeah rosafon probably being the uh biggest defender and brain powered also but i'd say rosafon was like the more 
was one where you can just watch and you go, wow, this exactly like Ava, except they just, they just kind of changed things and made it more logically consistent. It felt a lot, I'd say Razafon is in many ways a stronger work than Ava. It was. Uh, well, I haven't seen all of it, so I can't say it was, but I mean, I saw the first episode, and from what I saw, you know, I was like, yeah, it has some sim- similarities, but I wouldn't call it, you know, blatant. Plagiarism. Oh well, watch. I, I guess I gotta say I've watched halfway. Th- I've watched like over halfway through. I I still, uh, yeah. There was a long story behind that, but I just wasn't able to get around to watching the last half of it yet. But I mean, it it gets a lot. It gets a lot more into that sense, like a lot more abstract. I mean, to put the perspective about Razafon, the writer for that was uh, Chiaki J Konaka, who also wrote uh, Lane and uh, Big O. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people kind of say, you know, put Big O and Evangelion in the same pot unless they're talking about purely the robots, but... No, but I'd say I'd say they have a lot in common. I would say, I would say you couldn't, they couldn't be any, they couldn't be any more similar. I mean, well, they couldn't, they could be a lot more similar, but I mean, they have many similarities. I mean, Big O essentially has this giant mystery revolving around it. I mean, like, it introduces you to the concept. There's a city. Okay. Nobody remembers anything. Okay. And then you start, like, towards the end of the first scene, you start realizing there's this big conspiracy behind the city. Yeah, and that our hero is in the center of it all. It sounds like, though, for Big O, that the, the mystery was external, whereas Evangelion, all the mystery was pretty much internal of the people's minds. Oh, and uh, before we move on real quick, I just looked up Bobby's Girl, and it was done by Madhouse, and you're right, it was a 44-minute one-shot. So, uh, just for those who are, who are looking out for it, um, maintain some, uh, credibility here. So I don't sound like I'm talking completely out of my butt here, but, um, yeah, like, you know, and to go back to your angel beats, you know, like I would never have thought to consider angel beats to do this, you know, same sort of, uh, what are we calling it? The jargon or, or something of that nature. It would, it's I would I would just say it just obfus, obfuscation. It just it just basically throws you to a cloud and tells you, okay, now dig yourself out of this cloud. Well, I think if you want to do that, Angel Beats is really um, kind of like Gantz light at this point anyway. So, I mean, if you really want to look at something, look at Gantz because it does the same thing except, you know, there's no angels, they're aliens. They both start with A anyway. And you're thrown into this complete universe that even... I'm on volume 13 or 12 of the manga, and I still don't understand it. Of Gantz? Yeah, but I'd say Gantz seems to be more like the guy had a really cool premise, and he's just kind of uh, winging it right now. Yeah, I, I can see that. That's what I've heard of it, anyways. I've seen the first tips of the anime, and it kind of like, I liked where it was going, then I kind of was reading about it, and it seemed to be... It just kind of seems spinning its wheels at this point, just from what I've read, and I just... I can deal like life is too short to deal with spinning my wheels. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I, I, I definitely angel. A lot of people did put the angel beats and uh, Gaunt's comparisons. I mean, I, I know I've been saying it a lot. I kind of say it's basically uh, it's the Moe version of Gaunt's. Yeah, but well, I mean, the guy guy wakes up, doesn't know where he is. He has to fight things, and they can't really die. Sort of, you know, it's the same kind of idea. Although, I definitely would say they're not the same show, um, or manga, or whatever. I don't think Angel Beats has a manga, but... No, no. 
No, no, I, I definitely not the same show at all. I mean, I think I'd say the Angel Beats it does some interesting things about about dealing with uh, its characters, though. I mean, or dealing with its concept. It really does address the whole idea of like there being a god. That's what I like about it. It's um, it's got this very you know sugary sweet surface, but underneath it seems to have these themes beating through. No pun intended. But it has these themes that are there that seem to be going, hmm, that makes you kind of think. Yeah, that, that's true. I can see that. Angel Beats is definitely one of the better shows of this season. It's actually um, holding my attention. I, I, know, I know. I wouldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't believe that I'd, I'd be saying that myself. I mean, it's right now it's I call Under the Bridge, Angel Beats, and uh, I kind of want to watch more of this new K-On thing because I actually – I missed the K-On wave the first time around. I kind of want to catch up on it. Anyway, B Got the HK has also been uh, uh, my bag. It's the best anime about cameras ever made. Uh, I, 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 I just, you know, see, for me, anime and manga is something that you can judge by, you know, it's like a book you can judge by its cover, and I, I won't touch that book. <laughs> so. Wait, wait, B Got the HK? Yeah, isn't that the one with the girl going, like, she, she wants to fall in love with all these guys, or, you know, and then she falls in love with well, one? Well, she doesn't want she to fall, fall in love. She just wants to have uh, dirty, mindless sex. But uh, that's not what I watch it for. I watch it because there's the there's uh, cameras. Okay, well, I guess that that's a different... <laughs> yeah, the the main the main character... the main oh, Not the main character, but the, uh, the main guy of the show... He's uh he's using a Nikon F3, which is a very nice little camera, a bit on the old side, but not quite as good as the uh, well, it's not digital for starters, but uh, it's just a nice little camera, and it's just kind of nice to see that the the show puts a lot of loving attention in rendering its in rendering its features. Like I mean, the fact that I could the fact that the fact that when I first saw the opening, I went, oh my god, it's a, it's a Nikon F3. <gasps> Kind of like Code Geass with their Pizza Hut uh, logos, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say that in, in the Beyond the HK's case, they changed the Nikon logo to Nihon. But, hey, it uh, works, I guess, huh? See, like, for for me this season, it's been uh, da 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 uh, I've been trying to get into Atacalo Under the Bridge because, you know, I like those kind of shows, but it's just not not quite grabbing me. I'm sticking with it. Um, Hero Man actually has been really, really good. I don't know. It's 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 a kid show, really, you know. And I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't watched Hero Man yet. It just kind of. I I downloaded for some. So it just kind of uh, didn't really didn't really keep my attention. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, it's another Stanley work, and Ultimo really, really sucked. And that about wraps up our show here. I'd like to thank all the guests who appeared from episode 1 all the way up to episode 3, you know, to right now to present. Um, you guys are awesome, and I asked you to appear for a specific reason, because you guys are great. So, um, there are some other people I did want to get on, but because I had already finished recording this and I had begun editing, yes, I could have added them in there, but I figured, you know, maybe the topic was being talked to death here, because I didn't want to have four or five parts of the same topic because I don't want that to define my podcast. I just wanted new versus old and put out a bunch of episodes for you guys to think about. Plus it, it made it easier for me if I just do a bunch of recording and then put them out at the same time. So there's an excuse as well. But anyway, thank you again guys for appearing on the show. You're excellent. 
uh, and expect some more guests here. Um, you know, I think animation is starting to go somewhere instead of just being this small little podcast of me talking about what I like, you know, and then there's the 3JP where I talked about what I liked and what some other people liked. But in all honesty, we're nobodies. I mean, not that real anime people are somebodies either, in all honesty, because at the end of the day, when you walk up to someone and say, Hey, uh, do you know who uh, Daryl Surratt is? You know, they may not, you know, they probably, probably don't know that if they're out of the community, so... You know, I'm not saying, like, oh my gosh, I'm a rock star now, but my point is this. I feel like, you know, I'm starting to finally grow in this community. So, with that in mind, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to make a guest appearance, shoot me an email. My email's up on the site. You just look at the very top and to the right corner, right there, my email or something to that effect. Just click on that and send it, and I'll read it, and, uh... Yeah, if you have a podcast and you would like to be a sponsor, send me a promo. I'll send you mine. We can play it on each other's shows. I, I would love to do that. And if you have a topic or a request for a review, you know, send that as well. That'd be awesome. And of course, I want you to check out all of the shows that I've plugged in this whole three-part, new versus old, because I had these people on for a reason, because they're good. So that means you need to go check out their stuff. So, anyway... Without uh, dragging this on much longer, a very long episode here, I'm Ghost.